and welcome to our seventh pod of the series powered by the lovely people at Netball UK. Check them out online at netballuk.co.uk for everything netball. Now, as always, I'm joined by the lovely Sarah and Mags. Hi, girls. Hey. Hey. How are we both today? Yeah, good. Oh, well, thank you. Same old, same old. What's the weather like where you are out the window? Beautiful. Sunny. It's glorious. Can't complain about the weather. Lovely. And Sora, before we get into it, I've got to ask you, any progress mm. on the jigsaw front? <laughs> yeah, mate, completed it. Completed it. Completed oh. it, mate. Yeah, like, we're not playing here. This is serious. <laughs> How many pieces was it, Sarah? A thousand. You don't go less than a thousand. Wow. No, it's not wow. amateur hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. So, have you got another one on the go now? Well, no. I've kind of, I've tried to not start it too soon, but I reckon in the next couple of days we're going to get another one on the go. Okay. Well, do you know what? We'll look forward to updates on that in next week's podcast. On today's show, we've got a familiar voice joining us and someone that Mags especially is getting to know pretty well. But what else have we got in store for you? TV binging. Now, way before COVID-19, binge-watching TV has been a thing, but now it's properly coming into its own. We're going to chat about our favourites and the phenomenon as a whole, because why not? We've not got that much else to talk about, have we? Then we'll discuss the epic project our friends at Netball Scoop have started, your 10-player squad from the past 30 years. Looking forward to getting Mags and Sarah's verdict on that. This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. First up, we've got the one and only Dan Ryan on the show. Hi, Dan. Oh, have we got him? Dan. (laughs) Hello, hello, guys. Dan. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was so bored. I fell asleep. I'm sorry. Now, we know you'll all know who Dan is, but of course, he's Leeds Rhinos head coach, former Thunder coach, former international men's player for Australia, commentator, pundit, and a man riding relatively solo in a women's world. There's pretty much nothing you haven't done here, Dan. So uh, thank you so much for joining us because we know you've got a crazy busy schedule right now, haven't you, Dan? Yeah, I'm flat out. I'm I'm in the process of trying to clock every single streaming service possible. So (laughs) making great progress at the moment. Uh, But uh, yeah, half life. Now, you've been over here in England, Dan, for a while, but you've gone from Manchester City Centre to Leeds. Uh, how have you been finding that, obviously, pre-lockdown? Yeah, I love it. I think um, Leeds is a beautiful part of the UK. So I live in uh, Meadwood, which is a really cool little part of uh, the Yorkshire region. And you know, I'm covered with the woods and some great running and walking trails around my house. And um, yeah, really cool little lifestyle at the moment. So it's a great place to live. A lot for you to look forward to when we're all allowed out anyway. Correct. Um, and now, Dan, you did the Camino Trail last year. In fact, we spoke to you, I think, while you were doing it. I'm pretty sure we had you on the phone at the time. Could you just give us a brief overview about why you did that? Yeah, I think I spoke to you guys on my second day, actually, and it was a day that I was walking, I think, about 43 kilometres that day, so you probably got me to the tail end of that day. So I thought it was an great experience. Um, but look, it was, a, it was a great experience, and I think something that you know I've wanted to do for a number of years but never really had the time to do it. And um, you know, I think it's just one of those experiences that uh, people will do for a number of different reasons. And um, for me, I wanted to do it purely for, um, I guess, myself and to kind of have a bit of a, a time to get away from everything that was going on in my personal and professional life and, and get clear on a few things and um, you know, a lot of people do it for those types of reasons or to, to make big life decisions or purely just to have a, an adventure and a, a travel experience. So 
I kind of got all those things out of it um, and fondly look back on that time as definitely one of the, the best experiences I've ever had and probably ever will have. It was it was that cool. How long was it, Dan? Well, it went for about 35 days. So it took me 30 days to walk from St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port in France to Santiago in Spain. Um, and so we're averaging probably about anywhere between 20 to 25 k's a day. And then some days you might do a 30 k day or whatever it might be. And our, our last day, we actually walked about 49 k's wow. um, to get to Santiago. So we probably started walking about 7 o'clock in the morning and then got to the, the cathedral of um, uh, Santiago Compostela at about 10 p.m. at night, which was awesome. So it, it really varies. And, you know, it's an experience where your only commitment every day is to get up and walk and you determine how far you want to walk and when you want to stop. And, um, you know, a lot of people do it solo by themselves. And I started that way. But as as the experience tends to happen for a lot of people, they meet all these amazing people from all over the world along the way. So um, by the end of it, there was a group of about 15 of us that became almost like family in, in how close we got over that short period of time. So uh, a really unique experience. Sounds incredible. And, and you know, you said you started on your own. Has that kind yeah. of helped you a bit with isolation now? Well, yeah, it's funny because it's it's almost like the gift that keeps on giving. So you always <laughs> think about things that you kind of either thought about or experienced on the Camino. And we're now kind of living that existence here. And I think one thing that the Camino does teach you is, I guess, the importance of patience and, and not being always in a hurry to go somewhere and get something done and do something it's it kind of teaches you just to kind of be present and let things unfold and kind of have a bit of bit of peace and quiet in your life which I guess is what the entire world at the moment is being forced to do which as tough as it is it's also important to, to take stock and you know when you think about it we very rarely get those opportunities in life to do those little odd jobs that we don't do or think about the things that we don't often get headspace to do or connect with people that we're too busy to connect with so um yeah i'm pretty pretty thankful that i had that experience because it um it certainly does give you i guess tools to handle different situations that pop up in in life and and work whatever it might be and max and sarah have you ever done anything like that hell no (laughs) (laughs) it's it sounds like the worst kind of holiday ever, if I'm being honest, Dan. <laughs> yeah, you might, might not be for you, babe, and that's for sure. <laughs> oh, mate. You talk, like, it's basically like you practised for isolation, you got up and you went for a, a walk every day, you just turned where you wanted to go. By the end of it, you were kind of desperate to get home. It's just, it, I mean, you're a, be- you're a better person than me. With a 13-kilogram backpack carrying your life on your shoulders. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything where... Anything where you've got to have a backpack that's, that's that has to go on both shoulders, I'm out. <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, Dan, we'll get back to serious stuff in a second. But Sarah, what is your ideal holiday then? If that's your idea of hell, what's your ideal holiday? I'm not moving. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm lying down. You know, I, I tell a lie actually because I like I like a bit of a mixture. I can like lie down and just kind of be by a pool and a beach for a few days, and then I want to see what's going on. You know, I want to get out and yeah go go into see what the locals do and eat some great food and stuff like that so yeah i mean i I don't ever have blisters on a holiday that's (laughs) (laughs) and you know what mags we don't have to ask you that question because we know that you love benadol don't we we've heard your we've heard your stories mags is off raven like benners i mean let's be right about this folks you know i've got my tan 365 days of the year As a consequence of that, I love the sunshine, but I ain't going there for the sunshine. (laughs) 
so I need to sort of like have a little step out and just see what's going on and if I'm walking I'm walking to a bar or somewhere yes Magsy's going there for the shots, aren't you, That's Mags? it. <laughs> I love it. Now then, Dan, we will get back to serious stuff because, uh, as we all know, you are not scared of a challenge. You coached Adelaide Thunderbirds in Super Netball and took Manchester Thunder to the grand final. So, we're guessing that's what attracted you to setting up a Super League team virtually from scratch. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, as I've said a number of times in different interviews, it just, I think for a a professional coach in, in high-performance sport, it's really rare that you get the opportunity to, to be a part of something from the very beginning. Often as a coach, you're going in and inheriting someone else's team or you're coming into an environment where the previous coach has been let go or whatever it might be. So I think just the opportunity for me to go into somewhere completely fresh, a completely blank canvas, um, and to create something from the ground up was, was a really exciting project and challenge that I wanted to take on. And I think also, too, for me, um, obviously the way that the sport is going, particularly in Australia, in terms of, you know, big partnerships with other sporting codes in, in improving resourcing and high-performance expertise, I thought for my development it would be great to be able to pair up with the rugby department and, you know, kind of share ideas and, and work across different codes to kind of upskill and, and get more of a diverse coaching background. So I think for me um, that was the lure and, yeah, certainly a big challenge because there's nothing in place and, and we're building it from the ground up, which is which is a great opportunity and a big challenge. I'm, um, I'm going to bring you all in on this now because um, I want you basically to give us a guide of how you go about setting up a Super League team. For listeners like us, it, between the three of you, tell us how that how you go about that from scratch. Well, if I sort of like just jump in with the first bit and then we can go mm. from there. I know yeah. when we started with the, the, the desire and then the reality that we could have this Super League team in Leeds, I think number one on the list was who is going to be the coach because I don't think we put enough uh, credence in the fact that get yourself the right coach and it's almost like you know people will come so that was the first thing that we wanted to do to engage the right coach and and clearly we were delighted when you know Dan was available and and, and willing to uh, to take on this huge challenge and from there it, it, it just snowballed. Um, so what are the next steps? Because obviously that's a hugely important part of it. But what are the other steps, the things that maybe we wouldn't even think you have to do in order to set it up? Well, I think even before that too, you need to think about, um, I guess, the, the development and the pathway of, of the actual franchise itself. So you think about all the underage teams that sit within that pathway so the club has a chance of sustainability. Obviously, they need players coming through a system to get to the elite level. So obviously what the club has done over the last couple of years is, is setting that up and building that up, which is really important. And, and once that once that becomes established, you then have a green light to, to have the Super League franchise opportunity. You put in the head coach, and then now it's around a lot of the work we have to do is around building a program, getting the resources we need, making sure that it's commercially viable as well. So trying to attract in those different partners sponsors and corporates that will keep, obviously, the franchise afloat and quite um, lucrative, as, as we're hoping it can be. Um, and then you go down the challenge of recruiting a team because as it sits at the moment, there aren't really, there isn't really a team that exists. You know, there might be a few players from the region that will, will come through the ranks um, in, in the short term. But, you know, it's really about then going through a process of putting together a strategy uh, that will see the club be sustainable because it's not about hitting the first year and being really successful and then tapering off. It's really about being as sustainably successful year after year. So you need to be quite strategic in, in your planning in terms of the recruitment way that you go. So there's so much to do, and, and I'm sure Sarah will be able to attest to when you're a head coach, there's always something that pop up, pops up, something that needs to be done 
um, and something that kind of goes a little off course that you need to kind of pull back in line or push out or whatever it might be. So tough job. Sarah, I feel like you should interject there and say, yes, I have come across things. <laughs> or or no, it's I, all I, been plain sailing for you. Oh, yeah, it's a walk in the park. <laughs> um, no, it's tough. And I think like re- recruitment is something that, you know, from from the outside people kind of look at and go well they've either recruited well or they've not recruited very well but it's it's really tough for teams to to recruit and like dan will know there's always compromises to be made you know you can't have every player you want they either don't want to go there or you can't afford to pay them what they want or you know people have lives outside of netball and you know upping and moving their life doesn't always work for them so there's always compromises to be made and it, and it's diff- and it's a difficult time of year like for teams that are already established so you know some teams will have players on multi-year contracts so you know you kind of know you've got three or four players that you don't have to worry about for that year when you're setting up from scratch you've got to contract every single player and not only that like but like what Dan said you kind of need to know where that next layer of players is coming from as well so it, it's hard work um, because it's not just about going and, and coaching a team and, you know, you go and coach however many sessions a week and play a game, but the, the stuff that kind of goes behind that is is massive. Yeah, it's a big, big operation to get it all going. I've got to ask you, Dan, have you got, an, have you got your eyes on any players in particular? Oh, she went there. Oh, my God, she went <laughs> she there. She went there! <laughs> to, to be honest, we, we obviously had eyes on every player in the competition because obviously they're, they're, we didn't have a team in existence. So for us, you know, the, the reality is going to be that the majority of our group is going to come from or other franchises, and then also some some local talent that is ready to go here as well. So, you know, it's tough for us as well not having the competition on because we can't actually watch players and see how they're progressing throughout the year or what their form or stories end up being throughout that season. So, we, I guess, are in a difficult position in terms of going in a little bit blind with some of our recruitment as such. So, you kind of have to look at I guess past history as being the biggest indicator of what they might do in the future. So I guess for us, we're, you know, we did a real SWOT analysis around every single player in the competition. Is that what we're looking for? Is this the player that we want to prioritise? So, I mean, at the moment, there's obviously nobody signed in, in any regard and we're not able to really progress anything. So it's still very much eyes wide open and, and I guess a, a real need for us, the franchise, to be adaptable around how things could move um, when we get the green light and, and I guess when... The, players and franchises for this year get a bit of clarity around what's happening with the competition it's it's a really unsettling time for everybody yeah it really is and how do you feel about that dan um, because it, exactly that it is a really unsettling time and for you guys it's almost like you know you build this momentum and then it comes to a halt yeah i, I guess for me like a lot of a lot of the work i've been doing is being from home anyway just from strategic program planning and you know recruitment strategies and things like that so i guess i'm okay in terms of still going to tick all that work over and kind of get ahead with planning which is a luxury for a head coach because quite often you're fighting to stay on top of the workload so that's okay from my perspective it's it's more just I guess you know we lose revenue streams through our pathway and, and programs and courses that we're putting on that makes it difficult um, and you know it's it's hard for all the other franchises too so I, I, I'm interested to see kind of what decision is going to be made around what the competition looks like um, for this year if there is one um, because everyone just kind of sits in limbo at the moment and, and the impact, I think, will be felt uh, 
for far longer than I think people anticipate. Well, obviously, we'll be keeping our eyes on all that and keeping you updated as well here on Netball Nation. Thank you so, so much for chatting to us. Uh, take care. We will speak to you probably on the other side of isolation and we cannot wait to see Rhinos in the Super League. Thank you, Dan. No worries, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Take Thanks, care. Dan. Be Cheers. safe. Thank you. Now then, everyone loves to binge TV series, whether it's Stranger Things or Tiger King on Netflix. Uh, I can't say that without wanting to go, Carol Baskin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Killing Eve on the BBC. Uh, streaming platforms are also brilliant for sport with broadcasters such as Sky putting netball matches on YouTube for everyone to watch and the BBC are having football matches and sports during major events like the Olympics and the World Cup on iPlayer. Now, first of all, before we get into this, right, guys, are you the kind of people who will sit and wait until all of a series is released and then binge watch it or will you watch it on a weekly basis as they get released i i've tried <laughs> i have tried not to watch it and then but then you have to put yourself in mm. like a dark hole somewhere yeah because if you don't there's people who plot spoil there's something on the television that gives you a clue people are talking about it, the popular programs that is so yes i have tried but sometimes it's just not possible and what about you sarah well at the minute like killing eve's coming out week by week isn't it so so I, I can't help myself. I'm just going to watch it as it comes out. It is so good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and to be fair, do you know what? By the time we've waited for them all to come out, we'll probably be allowed out again and then not have time to watch it. So you're probably both well, going exactly. right there, really, aren't you? Um, now, obviously, I mentioned there that we can see sports. Things have been replayed and stuff. Um, it isn't obviously live sport where it's happening right now. Is it a good enough substitute for actual sports to fill in time right now, in your opinion, girls? Um, I, I suppose it's a yes and a no. It's it's quite good to sort of look back on some of those fabulous games that were really, really close and there's bits that you've missed so that you see the second time around. And, and even though you know the result of some of the fixtures, it's still quite exciting to watch it um, because you're not under that stress second time round watching it. That is so true. Uh, obviously, I uh, follow Leeds United and they have been showing some of the games. And even though you know the result, I know that if you stuck a heart rate monitor on me, I'd still be up and down and all over the place because it, it, there is, it doesn't give you exactly the same amount of fulfilment, but you enjoy it, don't you, Sarah? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? If, if I'm being honest, unless it's for work and I'm like scouting someone or whatever, I, I never watch a game again. So really, yeah. So these replays, I can't think of anything worse than sitting sitting down and watching a, an old game of football I've already seen. Like I know I know I've got time on my hands, but like I'm literally wasting my own time. Aren't I? I've, I've sat through ninety minutes of it once, and now <laughs> you you want me to do it again? Like, yeah, well, but, no, I've never watched any of, of like my old game, like Super League finals that I've won. I've never, never watched it back. Right. I just like I know the score. I know that we win. Like, right then, BB BBC Sky Sports. <laughs> if you're listening, Sarah doesn't want it anymore. So can you stop playing them, please? Thank no, you. I, I, I feel really bad because you know, like. Um, England netball like YouTube channel had the the semi final yeah. and the final of Com Games on the other day, didn't it? And, and like people were messaging me like, "Oh my god, like, are you watching it?" And I was like, "No, like, I was there, <laughs> like, I, and I know who wins. Like, there's no surprise in it." I love that you won't have been watching it because you'll have been sat there doing your jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally sat there doing my jigsaw puzzle or doing something like equally as mundane. <laughs> and Sarah Bayman, that is why we love you. Now, I'm going to put, 
I'm going to put um, a difficult question to you. I want you to think about life before Netflix, before Amazon, before any of that existed. How difficult do you think isolation would have been without it? Mm, I think it would have been difficult, but it, it depends. So when I was in Nottingham, I live in a flat and I watched a lot of Netflix because I couldn't really get outside and have a garden. And now I've come home to my mum and dad's and they've got like a big garden and I'd I probably watch maybe like an hour of TV and stuff a day. But I think for a lot of people, it's been like an absolute saviour. Yeah. What about you, Mags? Have you- well, I think certain demographics, uh, it's been an absolute saviour for them. I mean, I remember this year it comes, you know, when you only had maybe five channels on the TV and you just got yeah. by with it. You absolutely... Uh, and you had to get up to change the channel. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no remorse. <laughs> had to wait for the adverts to go to the toilet, didn't you? Do you remember yeah. days? At the end. <laughs> <laughs> no life pause. Yeah. No, no one no one ever ran so fast as they did to go to the toilet in an ad break. <laughs> That is so true. Do you know what? I remember watching Coronation Street um, when I was a kid with my mum and I'd always, I'd run to the toilet in the ad break, I'd run to the kitchen cupboard, get a pack of ready salted crisps and get myself back in position ready for second half. Talk it was about Speedy Gonzales. Yeah, but we managed. Did we not manage? Did we not cope? I know, but we also weren't stuck in stuck inside, were we? Yeah, that's time. true. We, yeah, it wasn't Groundhog Day, was it? Um, well, do you know what? We have heard from Mags and Sarah, so please, Nebel Nations, get in touch and let us know your recommendations and anything else, anything you've been watching, anything to do with Netball, get in touch with us at My Netball Nation, or you can drop us an email, hello at mynetballnation.com, and we will always do our best to cover everything you send in. Now then... Netball Scoop, one of Australia's biggest netball media outlets, have opened up a massive can of worms. They posted this on social media. How well do you know netball from the past 30 years? Do you fancy picking a dream team from the best players of that time? But can you do it with a salary cap? Have a think, tell your friends, let us know what you come up with. So, of course, we want to join in with that. Now it's your turn, guys. Max and Sarah, which shooters absolutely must make the final squad. I'll go over to you first, Max. Ooh, now, for just showmanship, accuracy, flair, and tough as nails, I've gone for Kat Tuavita and Nicole Kusa. What about you, Sarah? If you saw the page in front of me, there is so much crossing out and putting things over <laughs> it. This was so hard. I literally did about five teams yesterday. Um, I have gone with Joe Harton and Sherelle McMahon because... Sherelle was probably my number one first name down on the list. And then I was like, Sherelle and Joe would be absolute dream circle. So those are my two. Right then, Max, back Ooh. over to you. And feel free to discuss this between yourselves and agree or disagree with each other, guys. Uh, Sense mm. court players. I have gone because I absolutely adore this girl and I just think she's on the up. Um, and she's one of ours, Nat H at Wing Attack. Then I've gone at four... The one and only Laura Langman at centre. And then at wing defence, for me, in her time, the best wing defence, Fiona Murta. Have you gone for any of those, Sarah? I've gone for Laura Langman in centre. And she was a bit pricey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was my most expensive spend as well. She, uh, she, she was a bit pricey, but I thought, you know what? Yeah, we'll splash out on her. <laughs> <laughs> Splash the cash. Yeah, yeah. I've gone Laura Langman in centre. Um, I've gone Nadine Bryant in wing attack, um, Jamaican wing attack. For me, and I mean, I know Netball Scoop is like an Australian-based website. I feel like the Australian players were slightly overpriced 
and <laughs> other na- and other nations were underpriced. Nadine Bryant was an absolute steal, well, like one of the best wing attacks ever. Um, I, I wanted to put Temma Power Bailey in there, but you know, I couldn't squeeze her into my salary cap. Um, but Nadine Bryant was always a nightmare to play against, had incredible release into the circle, had this the Jamaican way of kind of going on a curved run and, and being able to get free. You know, you always tell young players now, like go on sharp angles. The Jamaicans kind of curve their runs, but just get ahead of you. And she was so smart. And then I've gone um, Selena Gilsonen for wing defence from Australia, who she was just about finishing up when I started playing internationally. And I just remember her being incredible. So yeah, she's my windy. I like as well that you've both really factored in your spending here. I like that you're doing the maths on it. This is good. <laughs> right then, Mags, back over to you. Which defenders make the cut for you? Um, for me, in my day, without doubt, one of the fiercest, fearless, most demanding and unrelenting goal defences who just ruled her team as captain with an iron fist. It was why tomorrow. And then at goalkeeper for a young buck coming through with that Jamaican flair that everybody's talking about. Uh, feisty, steals balls for fun. It's Shamira Sterling. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to put Y in my team, partly because I'm terrified if I don't. <laughs> and <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Sarah? I do know what you're talking about, but also I couldn't fit her in the salary cap, so I think she'll she'll kind of be pleased that she's too expensive to go in my team. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was an incredible player. Um, but I went for Carla Pretorius in Goldie and Jeeva Mentor in goalkeeper because, funnily enough, Jeeva was the only English goalkeeper in the whole goalkeeper list. For me, you know, when you look at duration of career, what people have done within the career, I think Jeeva's well up there for best keeper of all time. Um, and then her her partnership with Carla. I'm, I'm thinking about partnerships as well. You know, this is real. This isn't on paper for me. This is, this is <laughs> real. Um, her partnership with Carla, you know, you don't, we don't need to spend too much time together. They've played together for a few years. They're all over it. So, um yeah, those were my my defenders. Now, girls, I'm going to allow you to pick a few of them for the bench. Just a few for on the bench. Mm. So, Mags, go for it. Okay, are we just going to deal with it? A shooter, a midi and a yeah. defender? Yeah. Okay, so my first reserve, albeit, hell, she's no reserve. Shooting-wise, because if it's tight at the end and you need somebody who can close it, who's fearless and will make that shot, it's got to be Helen Housebay. And then in the middle, oh, now this is where I was torn because I know I can't have 11 and I'm going to sit on the fence. I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, Sarah probably won't want to hear this, but, you know, Sarah was a, a, a phenomenal player herself, you know, and unrelenting as well. You know, Mate, I was fuming at how cheap I was. Absolutely fuming. <laughs> well, you were only a dollar. You weren't <laughs> But then I saw some other people who were a dollar and I was like, you know what, I'll take it. Yeah, 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 you take that, you take that. So I was torn between Ash and Sarah, Ash Brazil and Sarah, because they're... I'll also take that. Pretty pretty similar players in the style, the tenacity on court, the fact that they never give up. You always know they're there. You just want to tell them, turn around and tell them, will you just go take a break? You know, so I was torn between them two and I'm going to stick with it. I know they said 10. I can't make my mind up between Sarah and Ash. There you go. That's in the middle. And then at the very end, at the end, the goal defensive sort of area, goal defence goalkeeper, having worked with her for a year, 
Um, imagine this, I've got them both on the same team. I'm going to put Stacey in there um, because she is intense, task-focused, extremely honest, and hell, she ain't scared to tell you what she's thinking. So, <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> All those players on the bench for me would not just be impact players, albeit they would put them on. They are starting sevens but they would make a, a huge impact if they came on. Very solid bench, Mag. Sarah, have you got yourself on the bench? Of course I have, because <laughs> I've got no intention of going playing in this game. <laughs> I, I, but I, want a front, I want a front row seat. If I'm going to pick a team this good, I want to watch, and I'm going to be on the bench with sweets, and I'm just going to be <laughs> eating my sweets. No intent, not even warming up. I don't care. I'm not going on. I'm just, I'm just enjoying the, the, the game. So I, I did go, and, and also because I'm cheap, um, in all senses of the word, so I put myself on the bench. Um, I went for Kat to Ivaiti on the bench because she was also undervalued in this um, scenario, I feel. And also, you know, I've got Joe and Chevelle out there. Kat can come in at shooter. Either of those two can play goal attack. We've just got, yeah, red hot attack end. And then defensive-wise, I put in... Um, Temelisi Fokakotao for my yeah, she's sub because yeah. she's so exciting something completely different and also I was thinking if I'm on the bench you know Kat and Temelisi both a lot of fun to be on the bench with so <laughs> you, you don't want a boring bench do you you want a, you want a few jokes on the bench so um, yeah that's my bench I'm thoroughly enjoying your logic behind this, behind your choices, Sarah. It's very entertaining. I know, well, you think that I've just picked these out in 10 minutes. This, this was like a, a serious task for me last night. I was going to say, have you had any sleep last night? Not really, because the, the players that I had to leave out, were just it was upsetting me. Like I wanted to put Tema Palmer Bailey in there. I wanted to put Ash Basil in there. I wanted Liana Leota. She was way too cheap yeah, as well. She was. she was the same price as me. I was like, I am taking this. <laughs> um, Casey Corpua Casey couldn't afford Casey. I mean, Van Dyke. So it, it was tough. Well, you've managed it. You whittled it down and you both got there. So feel free, Nationers, to get in touch and let us know your thoughts on uh, Sarah and Mag's choices. Remember, you can get in touch at MyNetballNation.com and you can find us on all of the socials at MyNetballNation. Now, before we go, because that's the end of this week's podcast, uh, have you got any shout outs to do, girls? Yeah, no, I think you kind of have to have seen or spoken to people, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> This is where I'm struggling. I need to get my head get my head out my jigsaws and um, <laughs> interact with people. No, yeah, and again, shout out to everyone out there who is having a tough time. Whether that's because you're trying to homeschool kids with a full time job, or you know you're on your own and you're struggling that way. But you know, everyone, like Mike said, stay safe. Make sure you stay connected. Have a little chat with your family and your friends and. Um, yeah, remember that everyone's in it together. Thank you so much for listening to Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, meaning you can hashtag keep netballing from home. To listen to our podcast, head over to mynetballnation.com and follow us on all the social platforms at mynetballnation. Until then, keep netballing as much as you can at home. Try to stay positive and not lose your mind. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye. See ya. Bye. This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk.